We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events, the list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, January 9th. And you know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. I bring in James McCool, the co author, with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com, as well as the advanced guide with the custom Excel tools. Brought to you, built by the ground up, from James here. Good morning. I, I don't know if you've been uh, paying attention to the show uh, from last week, but did, did did you see my mea culpa of, like, I, I will I will answer stupid questions? No, I didn't. No, you did. You should, you should have checked it out. I should have. Right. I apologize for being pretty much a douchebag. Well, I mean, that's, to be fair, that's part of your MO. that's like apologizing for for having the name jordan i mean that's not yeah i'm not sure why you need to apologize for that i don't know people are reaching out saying no i learned a lot oh feel free to yell at the stupid questions whatever the people in the youtube chat like wataz atomizing kickstart matt kajeski's here good morning to matt uh college football is a little bit over but uh always check out his work when it comes to to cfb Mm -hmm. uh no, no, in, in in the episode, like uh James, if obviously if you've seen on Twitter, like I, I've been I've been relearning poker. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, you've been having some relative success. 
relative success. I, I, I had to tell my wife, it's like, nor- normally you don't just get like seven great winning sessions in a row. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I just a good run of cards plus playing well. Uh, yeah. no, but, but I've been, I've been consuming a lot, a lot of poker content. And I realized like, you know, a week and a half ago, I guess that like there's that if you were new, if you let's say not even new to DFS, but like, if you're like, okay, I played DFS off and on for a hobby, played during football season. You build a couple of lineups like that. Uh, or maybe you're 20 maxing or something. Maybe you're doing you know, something. Maybe you subscribe to Roto Grinders and you just dabble. You, you read an article here. Like you're just kind of not, not playing that seriously. And it's like, okay, now I want to play seriously. Mm-hmm. What do I have to learn? And that's kind of the purpose of like this show. And what's the entry point? Like, as far as, like, we would love for you to go and buy the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, right? You could get a nice structured, like, 21 hours of audio between both courses plus the Excel tools. You get that in a Roto-Grinder subscription, like, you're pretty good to go. But let's say you're not someone that really, like, structured-wise, like, doesn't learn in that way, mm-hmm. right? And I And personally, I'm not necessarily someone that learns best in that formatting either, that I, I enjoy... Using examples, that's why I could p- go back to a show from 2014, listen yeah. to some NBA slate that I didn't play and get and pick things up from there. So, like, I'm doing that for like po- poker content is like 50 times as much as DFS content over mm-hmm. the past 15 years. So, it's like, oh, oh like, I might, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one for like, yeah, I'll listen to like 550 of this podcast because like it's like a 12 year old podcast. But, like, that is a little bit untenable. And you can't expect that, like, like oh, well, I mentioned this three, three and a half years ago. I'm not going to talk about it again. So, like, if you li- listen to some of these this, this poker content, they repeat things a lot and highlight concepts and, okay, through this, let's go through all of that type of stuff. And I learned so much in, like, a short period of time. And I'm like, that that's not what I'm doing here. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh, go watch the show from three weeks ago. It's not. Is, is is not the appropriate response. We should we should yeah. be going through concepts more. And if we go through something again, we go through something again because you never know where where someone's entry point is is gonna be. I mean, so that's essentially James. Why I'm like, let's get down to to b- basics if you want to call it on this show. Even though we'll talk plenty about advanced concepts, but like, let's not focus so much on like the slate ahead or maybe even the slate before, although we could use that as an example, but just use the show as, okay, you know, questions come in. Obviously, you could send them in questions at theoryofdfs.com. You can post them in the YouTube chat. And then once I see like a, a bank of questions that are like on a similar topic, go, okay, let's 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 go through. Let's go through the, the, the examples and basics of this stuff, even if we talked about it two months ago. And, uh, and I, I think, People will get more out of it, the newer people. And the older people, it just cements yeah. concepts again and again. And as you play, you'll just get better. Well, one of the big things uh, in, in mentioning the more intermediate players and, like, the older players and the advanced players, like, I still listen to course to course material from Theory DFS. Like, I'll, I'll listen to it if I just have downtime because it helps to reinforce things and it helps me, like, keep grounded. Um. Because it's not that I have developed bad habits, but uh, in in playing sometimes, especially if you're on a downswing, um, you can kind of get a little bit squirrely and you can start questioning yourself and thinking, oh, well, I mean, am I even doing this right? 
Uh, and going back and listening to that stuff is important. And also on the show, like going back over some of the simple concepts um, can help you kind of get back to basics, I guess, uh, which, which is an important thing for even intermediate players to do. Beginner players, I, I think, probably get a lot of times a lot out of this show, uh, depending on how many rants you and I go on. But uh, beginner players, I think, can come here and and pick up a lot of really important key concepts that they can then apply that day into that slate and to any slate. And that's a big thing. We don't really talk about any individual sport. Sometimes we talk more about one sport than others on the show, but we try to apply all the, all the concepts to all the different sports because they do apply to all the other sports. Some, some things are a little bit more specific, like you're not going to apply showdown concepts to baseball. Um, well, I mean, you can't at times you can. I mean, a two game MLB. But a lot of the general concepts and showdown are going to be a little bit lesser important in something like a main slate for NBA. But um, that's clarified. So I, I think we do a pretty good job at it. And I think that there's not enough of this content out there. And I think we fill a nice little niche there. So so this week, James, since since you're on, I mean, it's good to, you're on Mondays, so we could almost like like this is kind of what we're what I'm looking at dive into this week more based on some questions that have come in. And like I said, email them in. Like, even if you're listening on the podcast feed, even if you're still live on YouTube, it helps me out so much more if you just email them in questions at theoryofdfs.com and I will get to everything. Okay. I just, I just wait for like a bank of like, okay, there's like two or three people that are, that are having questions about it, about this generalized thing. And then I could just break it down like throughout the course of a week, similar to what we did last week when it came to, you know, the equity distribution of contests, you know, kind of where does the money come from? Uh, you're the perfect person for, for, for this, for, for, for this, for this week's topic, I guess in general, I don't know if, can I stretch it out for the whole week? I can't, I could talk enough. Uh, uh, projections, just generally projections. So like we, we dive into this in the theory of DFS in chapter three. Like we call it player selection, but really what we're talking about is is projection. Uh, I've gotten I've gotten several questions that maybe more advanced than what are projections, but that are based around because a lot of people will be using optimizers like lineup HQ and like understand like understanding the columns, understanding how and and that's why I'm asking you here like how they how they are come up with. So in in a in an optimizer in our projections here at Roto Grinders and and you make your own, James at, at Paydirt, that you know we get this we get this FPTS right the mean or median projection which there is a difference mm-hmm. and then we get this what what will be called on many sites including Roto Grinders a floor projection and a ceiling projection and I mean I would say ninety percent of people. Not people that watch this show probably, like don't get what that means. Like people will sign up Roto Grinders and say like, "Oh, Jokic has a sixty point four projection," and then if he scores like forty five points, it's like your projection's wrong. Or if he scores eighty five points, oh, your projection's wrong because like they don't understand that this column is not a prediction. It's just like the fiftieth percentile of a range of outcomes. And you go, "What's a range of outcomes?" It's like, well, let's take a do- look at distribution. So like that's what we're kind of talking about this week so being that you're someone that builds projections Mm -hmm. like how exactly are these numbers 
how do these numbers, I mean, before we get into, you know, what that distribution is or anything like that, but how do the numbers just come to be? Okay. So there's a lot of different answers to that. Uh, the, the most basic answer to that is utilizing what I call a static baseline model, which is going to be something that takes in player baselines and extrapolates them out against some sort of variable and comes out with fancy projection. So for something like NBA, NBA is extremely simple. Um, most NBA models are going to be baseline models because the player baselines are going to be uh, very consistent and linear with fantasy production based on their minutes projection. So you apply all these different baselines. Usually you break them down to a per minute baseline, um, points per minute, rebounds per minute, assists per minute, et cetera. And then you come up with a minutes projection you multiply the minutes projection by the baselines, and then you come up with a fantasy projection. And that is going to be your median or mean fantasy projection. Um, most of the time, I think that a lot of people are doing mean. Uh, I personally aim to try to do median, but um, you know, you know, whatever way you come up with it, it's going to give you some sort of projection that you have for the player. Um, so, 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 is, so in 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 to, in more general terms, because I want to get past this. To pass the point of the player names into numbers point. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot there. You are taking on a baseline basis. So like without gauging like today's game specifically, right? You are taking some amount of variables that have predictive power, right? So you that well, relate to fantasy points. Like you're not taking you're not weighing uh Giannis's when his birthday is. Well, um not unless you have unless predict deadless birthday is has some amount of correlation. Well, I'm I don't doing think birthday does. narratives. I mean, birthday narratives, baby narratives, uh, dad narratives, you know, whatever. Um, no, so ideally you want to use predictive nature. I in baseball, we have a lot of different predictive stats now, right? So so we have things like uh X slug and X woba and everything like that, which are considered predictive stats. In basketball, we do not have very many predictive stats. We have descriptive stats. So most baselines in NBA are descriptive. Most baselines in NFL are, are descriptive. Uh, the baselines that you should be using in baseball now, the, the baselines that Cardi uses for the bat X, are predictive. So what's the should I get into the difference between descriptive? Wait, predictive yeah, let's go. This is, let, pre, okay. What's the difference between predictive and descriptive? This, this is not necessarily exactly what I wanted to talk about today but i mean we'll, like, dude, we'll, get, we'll get forward into the application but right so descriptive means that it means that a statistic is telling you what has happened um average is it a is a descriptive stat like batting average is a descriptive stat it tells you what a player's batting average has been based on the sample that you're looking at predictive means that it is a stat that is attempting to predict what is going to happen in a further sample so x slug rather than slug. So if slug is the descriptive stat, which tells you how many bases a player is getting per at bat, then X slug is what we would expect, what we predict the player to have had based on a number of different variables that are applied against the league averages. So so, so, so in, in layman's term, I just want to get back to the layman, in baseball, for instance, and this is why you have predictive stats in baseball, yeah. is that Let's just say in 10, like this guy has 10 at bats, right? I'm using the 10 to make the samples, you know, whatever, the, the math sure, easier, whatever. Yeah. right? So let, let's say that like he's, you know, the, 
six six times, you know, struck out or just like fly routine pop fly or whatever. And then four four times it was like a liner like down the line that the third baseman dove and caught. Yeah. And then one was like a fly ball that was like in 27 of 30 ballparks is a home run, but was caught at the wall this time. And another one was like, like uh, a bunt down, down the line that the pitcher picked up and like, just got him at like, like he may have zero hits out of these 10, but like what his expected Right. Hits may have been out of the four. Once you like, they're not one, right? Because they didn't get on base, but like maybe he should have, if you want to use average or something, he should have a 300 average, but mm-hmm. he has a zero average. He should have one home run. He may should have four RBIs. Like, he, like if those are like 10th percentile outcomes that happen on those at bats. So, like, He's probably still hitting the ball well. Like he's not like on an 0 for 10 slump. And then there's also like someone could be batting. They just use average. Like, oh, he's batting 600 in his past 10 at bats. And then like, like four of those were like lucky, like just in the hole, just underneath the fielder's glove or just like a dribbler that they just couldn't get. Like he swung and like it hit off and it, you know, like it wasn't even cleanly hit or something or, or the out, it was uh hit to the opposite field, you know, not poor contact. And it just, cause they were shifted that it like dropped in. Like right, you take a look at those and you go, well, this guy's on a, this guy's must be doing well. It's like now nah, like his, his expected batting average, if you want to say is much lower than the expected batting average of the other players. So it's like in the future, probably, the guy that's probably not hitting the ball very well and just happened to get like you know, you know, Babip. Uh, that's how he rated for like pitchers, right? Oh, this pitcher's getting killed. It's like, yeah, he's just getting like unlucky spots where the ball's going. And then there's also a pitcher where the that they're 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 barreling the ball off of him every other every other at bat. And it's just that the outfielders happen to be in the right spots that it's like. Wow, he has a great ERA and is what like no his his right. his his Babip his Babip is a is 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 one twenty four, and it's like like dude dude this this guy's gonna get killed at some point right mm-hmm. like that's that's what you mean by by predictive versus descriptive right right this like oh well it you know oh this guy's hitting X Y if you looked at just the main stats they'd just be descriptive. But if you look at the stats behind the stats, you see that there's a lot more predictive nature to it than than there seems to be. Right. So that that is an important distinction uh, to be made once you get into a little bit farther. Right. Like so um, what you're using most of the time, like say for NBA, you're going to be using uh, stats that aren't necessarily predictive, but do correlate to performance. So you're, what you're doing is you're using things like uh, how many points a player scores, how many rebounds they get, how many assists they get. You can take all of their game stats, right? You can take, uh, say, Giannis, for instance, um, averaging 28 points, 12 rebounds, and nine assists or something. And then you can break that down into his per minute stats. So say that he's playing um, 28 minutes. Let, let's make this math really easy on me, okay? So a player that is averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. 
and they're playing 20 minutes per game. Means they're scoring one point per minute, half a rebound per minute, half assist per minute. Okay. That's this imaginary player stats. Um, then what you do is you apply that against a minutes projection. Now, the minutes projection is usually algorithmic, algorithmically in, uh, derived. So however it is that this person is projecting out minutes, if you just wanted to look at them and say, this is their birthday, they're going to play the whole game and apply 48 minutes for them. Then if you applied that against this player, then they would have a projection of 48 real life points, uh, 24 rebounds, 24 assists. And then you would take the scoring for whatever site that you're looking at and you would apply the scoring stuff against those numbers. And then that would come up with a fantasy projection. So that is a super low level way of just saying, here's how to build a projection. Um, and, and, and oddly and oddly enough in James, uh, I'll, uh, that if you do did that in NBA, like just took the averages, like of just like the stats that for, Blocks per minute, like said, you know, the, the seals per minute, anything mm-hmm. that the fantasy sites count, and you just and then you made your own minutes, right? Like so, you just went and just assigned all two hundred and sixteen minutes in a game, and just say, yeah, I think uh, you know, oh, I think this is more likely to be a blowout, so maybe Giannis only plays thirty minutes, and this guy plays the extra. Like if you wanted to do that, and hey, there are plenty of players that do their own minutes, and here at Roto Grinders, we have an entire team. That does minutes as well as usage and and everything like that, depending on the rotations. And we'll get into that in a second. Uh, like even if you just took the average and say FPPM fantasy points per minute, right? You don't even need to do the points and whatever. You just say fantasy points per minute on average over the past this season. All right, it, it's not the biggest sample size, but whatever. And you just said, well, I think this guy that averages uh, 0. 0.8 fantasy points per minute is going to get uh, 30 minutes, and it's so oh, 24 points on average. On average, right, mean, on average, 24, and you say 24. And if you want to give, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to give him 32 minutes. Well, now that's 25.6, right? Oh, I'm yeah. going to give him 34 minutes. That's 27.2. That, that if you did that in NBA, I don't think you're going to be all that far. Like, if you if that was your model and you did it yourself, I don't even think I. That's better than nothing. That's better than I than birthday narratives. It's better than pulling yeah. numbers out of your ass. I mean, that in and of itself may actually not be that bad of a model. No, that I mean the hard part for NBA. The reason why because NBA modeling is is easy, super easy, except for minutes. That's it. Minutes are hilariously hard to be really good at. Um, and that's where, because I, I run a, a machine learning algorithm and one of the things that could act, that would just straight up improve my model would be having the most accurate minutes. That is the thing that matters the most matchups don't matter as much, blah, blah, blah. It's just minutes. So minutes really, really hard. That's the hardest part of NBA outside of that, just applying stats, easiest thing in the world, just build a fantasy point per minute baseline and then apply it against minutes. And there you go. If you did that, you'd be above 65% of the field, I think. Right. And then once you get past there, then you could apply like other game related mm-hmm. metrics. So like, so you go, well, how about the mat? Like you, te- like, you could do you hear two, two main things, right? If you want to use sports book numbers and say, well, what, what is the average, the baseline for that team 
in this player's average. So let's say, you know, we're using Giannis as an example or whatever. It could be whoever it is. And you go, well, Milwaukee typically has a total, an implied point total, which it's it's sportsbook line. So they, they tend to be pretty efficient. So that's why you could use a lot of these numbers. Uh, they normally have a point total of uh, 116, right? But in this game, their implied total is 111. So it's like, well, the Bucks are are going are on average going to score five less points. So you shouldn't, in theory, be docking Giannis a little bit because the Bucks in general are going to score six less points. Now, am I docking him ten median points? Like, no. But like, as far as a matchup is concerned, like if it was ten points in the other direction, it's like, oh, Giannis could score even more points. Because it's higher than their average. And then, on top of that, let's say you go, oh, uh, the Bucks are playing the Knicks tonight. Now, I, I haven't been following NBA in, in a while, but I'm assuming this is like maybe a tougher defensive matchup. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Right? Or it's a slower-paced game, right? There's going to be less possessions. Like, are these the types of things like number of possessions, implied team totals, Defensive metrics, you know, as a team, not necessarily against the position, but as a team, like defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency as a team, like those are the types of things that you would now apply to that baseline. And then now his fantasy point per minute, if you want to use that as a thing, will go slightly up or slightly down. And then you then you smack the minutes on top of that. And it's quite possible that, you know, the, the guy that that we had at point eight. Fantasy points per minute at 34 minutes is 27.2. And you go, this is a bad defensive matchup. Maybe once you weigh everything together, like maybe he's only like a 0.72 fantasy points per minute based on matchup, and that's 24.48 once you put 34 minutes on top of that. Like like when people ask here on Roto-Grinders, it's like, like a lot, so many times, James, I, I hear it's like, oh, his projection is X. But he's in a bad matchup, so I'm not sure if I could play him. Or his projection is X, but he's in a really good matchup, so I'm going to play. Like, that's that's already in there. Yeah, uh, so two things. First, um, you don't even need to use the historical betting lines to do what you were trying to say in the beginning of that, where uh, you said that if they're typically ha- if they typically have an OU of, 1, of 116, and in this game it's 111, you can just use their historical results. You can just average out what the team usually scores and then apply that because mm-hmm. and when, when you're using the, the historical betting stuff, that is going to be less accurate, obviously, than the actual outcomes. Mm-hmm. So if they are averaging 116 and then are implied for 111, um, take the implied over-under as what you would ex- assume the team is going to score in this game and then apply that to the baselines. So I just wanted to clear, clear that up really quick. Um when it comes to matchups and everything like that, uh, my, my favorite thing is when people say, uh, oh, well, I, I can't use player X because they're going to have to deal with Jimmy Butler or Marcus Smart or whoever and like positional stuff. Um, and, and, and they'll use that as a as like a tiebreaker, right? That's already all baked in because of the team macro concepts that are already in there, what you were talking about with the the defensive stuff. But even farther from that, 
Uh, that stuff's already baked into the Vegas implied total. So e even if you are saying that you want to pay attention to matchups, that's already probably included if you are using the team total to apply boosts or drops or something like that, right? So you can do it either way. Um, if you want to be simple and blunt about it, which is usually the way that I personally go about things, um, or no, not, not the way that I go about things for NBA, but typically I want to try to be more blunt. Um, you can just use the Vegas line and use that as a way to apply boosts or drops to players' baselines and say, okay, they usually score 116. They're implied to score 110 here. I'm going to drop them down. Whatever the diff difference is between that, 116 is what, one point is what, like 5% worse? I don't know. Off the top of my head, 5% worse. Apply a global 5% worse to the entire team and then see what comes out. Um, or if they are implied to score 116, they usually score 110, give them a 5% boost. And then there you go. Now you have your fantasy points per minute for all of your players involved. Um, if you want to be more precise about it, which is the way that I usually do things, you look at the defensive matchup and then you try to utilize that to come as close as you can to the Vegas total. So when I have done back testing, I have tried to, to take whatever variables I can from the matchup and then apply that against the players and then sum up the fancy points and try to get it as close as I can to the Vegas line. But either way, what you're trying to do is apply boosts and drops to players to try to come up with a way to meet up with that Vegas line the best you can. Um, usually the, the more blunt way of just using the Vegas line itself to apply the boosts is going to be more reliable. And the way of using the defensive matchup to then try to uh, put together a projection that matches up the Vegas total is going to be if you are trying to beat that Vegas total and if you're trying to do sports betting and game betting and stuff like that. So um, there's a lot of different applications on either side of it. A lot of the time, what I would suggest to people is just to use that Vegas line uh, and take the Vegas line minus the average fantasy points, find the difference between them, and then just apply boosts based on that. Now, good, good thing for people watching and people listening at home, that we already do all of that. Because right. You're a roto grinder. So, I mean, like, all of this stuff, like, if you didn't want to have to know any of this, like, you don't. Like, you don't, you don't. Everything that would be needed is in the projection. Like, like, but we take care of it. But the thing is, is that now, now, all of that, all of the special sauce, right? All of the different variables. And they're all based, like we were talking about, based on averages or means, Right. And then you come up with a mean projection. We won't talk, we won't get into the semantics of the difference between a mean projection and a median projection at the moment. We could have a whole thing about that. They're both reliable. Uh, right, right. But you can interchange them for the most part as of now. I'll, later in the week, I'll talk the difference depending on sport, why one is better than others. And we'll, there's, there are nuances to that. So you're getting this fantasy points column, right? But these are all based on averages, right? So this is the average. You're coming up with like the if I say that a point eight, you know, player with the with a bad matchup and all the, you know, I do all the variables and it's like 34 minutes. Like the minutes are also like a median, like you're maybe it's 32 minutes. Maybe it ends up being 30 minutes, right? But you're you're just assigning 34 minutes, right? If you think it's like that's the cap, you don't think uh, maybe you should just put them at 32 minutes. And it's somewhere between 30 and 34. And it's like, okay, so that would make his projection at 0.72 fantasy points per minute, 23.04, right? So like 23. Does that mean he's going to score 23 fantasy points today? No, that's just like his average outcome. 
okay, is average. That means 50% of the time, right? Or if it's a median, it would be 50% of the time he scores more than 23. 50% of the time he scores less than 23. There are going to be outcomes where he only scores 10 fantasy points. There are going to be outcomes where he scores 42 fantasy points. Now, those outcomes, like those types of outcomes, we have in a column called like floor and ceiling. So it's like, you have the median because like it's almost like the columns like if you don't understand what the columns mean as far as the distribution and you don't understand how they're how they're the concept of even how they're generated like people misuse like well i'm playing this guy because he has a higher ceiling than the other guy but what happens if his floor is lower than like the, these are like nebulous concepts so like we've come up with a way to come up with the, the mean. Like if we just did the very basic, like my basic model, right? Find some t- a couple of variables. I'm not running machine learning. I'm doing it in Excel, right? I'm just saying, oh, how how often does, uh how what's Giannis's averages this season? I think he's playing, going to play 34 minutes, right? I'm going to dock a, a little bit because of the matchup across the board. And I come up with 54. Like you could, okay, that's his mean, right? Like, so what are the chances that he puts up 65? What are the chances that he puts up only 40? Like, I just have that middle, I just have the FPTS column of like, I got, I got, if I, I can't have a distribution because I just have one number, right? It's like, that's it. So James, how do the other numbers, like you have all those averages. Now, how, how are you coming up with what, number one, what is the floor and the ceiling? And how do those, how do those numbers, how are those come up with? So again, there are a lot of ways to get a cat here. Um, There is a very, very basic way of doing this, which is something that I have employed right now in a new tool that I have built over at Pater. It simulates showdown contests for you. So whatever showdown contest you want to do, you can go do that over the site. Um, But what you can do is you can take the median and you can take your fantasy projection. You can divide it by four and that's the floor. And then you can add the floor to the median, and then that's the ceiling. And then you have a normal distribution from the mean up to the 25th and 75th percentile outcomes. That's that, that would be the that would be the bluntest. That is the, the most blunt way of doing it. Super basic, super right. basic. If you have no other information, but it is usable, right? So typically, it, it, uh, so hold on a second. I just want to highlight it is usable. In sports where players have normal distributions. Yes, right, okay. right, right. So when when we talked earlier, because we're we're talking a lot about NBA because these right, right, which is fine. Which which James, I wanted to start with NBA yeah. on this show because it is the most normally distributive. Yeah. Because once we start talking about the the other weirder distributions and players that have different distribution types, mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about that next Monday, right? I'll talk about stuff yeah. throughout the course of the week, and we'll probably get back to it next monday when it comes to the weirder stuff yeah so uh that that is a way to build up a usable normal distribution for a floor and ceiling um and in fact a lot of times when you're dealing with nba uh if you wanted to use uh the 33rd and 66th percentile outcomes uh as a like very acceptable like here's where a lot of the things are going to happen you can do that there's nothing wrong with that um the other way to do it that is more mechanically based, so sticking with the blunt and more mechanical, uh, is utilizing historical data, utilizing game data for players, 
and establishing a relative ceiling and relative floor based on their actual outcomes over the course of the last couple of years. So the way that I do it is I utilize data from the last two years, um, which I deem as acceptable for the most part. And then I apply a weighted average against the last month of gameplay against their last two years of gameplay. And then I come up with what is a relative ceiling for the player based on their outcomes in the past. So say that there, we have a player who is averaging uh, 25 fantasy points, right? And then in the past, they have had a whole bunch of outcomes that are between 18 and 32 fantasy points, right? Like that is where their range pretty much is. This is a guy who scores points, doesn't do much else. He's just a three-point specialist, and that's just where he's going to be between 18 and 32. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But every once in a while, he does have games where he's like on fire, he hits like 10 three-pointers and he has uh, three steals or something. And then he has a 50 fantasy point outcome. And then there's games where he just sucks and he doesn't hit a shot from the floor and he ends up having like three fantasy points, right? So then we're working into the wider ranges and then that's expanding what we expect the relative ceiling to be. So if they have like five outcomes under fan five fantasy points and five outcomes above 40 fantasy points, now maybe the relative ceiling has expanded from that 18 to 32 down to maybe 15.5 to 34.5 or something like that. Um, if you apply the game logs 
and and you come up with that that data over an acceptable range, then you can come up with what you can expect their floor or ceiling to be based on their actual performances. So you can do that a couple of ways too, right? Where you can do it stat based, where you can come up with an acceptable range of outcomes for each individual stat and simulate that using Monte Carlo Sim or something like that. That's what I used to do for Pater. Okay, let or, it. Okay, finish it up because I also want to talk about what a Monte Carlo Sim is. Sure. Or you can utilize just a range of outcomes for their fantasy scores, or you can develop a range of outcomes for their fantasy points per minute. You can figure out a bunch of different ways. Um, if you're doing it stat-based and get more granular, then you have a little bit more of a robust projection and more robust way to uh, develop that range of outcomes because you have a lot more working parts. Typically, the more variables that you include in a model, the more robust that it is going to be, so long as the variables do not suck. Remember, good data in, good results out. Um, if you do just fantasy points, then it's easier, right? Because that data is really, really easy to work with. You just have one column and you can just develop whatever that range is there. Um, but it's going to be subject to a little bit more variance because, uh, you know, if, if that ceiling game, say you have a, a sample of like 50 games, and you have three ceiling games that are all based on a player having like 10 blocks in each one, and they average like one block per game, then their ceiling isn't really what their ceiling is showing um, because that they're just complete outlier situations. Uh, so just be reticent of that. Remember that the more data that you have, the more variables that you have, the more robust your range of outcomes will be. And that's mostly how you end up coming up with that floor and ceiling. Okay, and then then you mentioned this term, Monte Carlo said, Monte, I'm going to Monte Carlo. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna play roulette in the Monte Carlo, whatever whatever. It's not it's no longer a casino in Las Vegas either. I mean they they changed that. But like what when we talk about Monte Carlo sims, and I would consider from a simulation methodology, Monte Carlo is on the blunter side, yeah. right? So like it's the thing is because a lot of times in theory DFS we talk about blunt and precise as a spectrum. And it's like the bluntest you could do in DFS is to not subscribe to Roto Grinders by clicking on the link in the description, getting $10 off your first month, right? And having these projections, having these numbers, like the bluntest way is to just go, I think LeBron's going to score 30 points tonight. Like, like just, and just like you, you're, you're looking at going, oh yeah, well this matchup is like, you're doing it just completely like it, how are you turning player names into numbers? Most people aren't even turning them into numbers and then building lineups. They're just going, well, I think this and I think that. Like, that's the bluntest way. And, hey, there's some people that aren't half bad doing it the intuitive, most bluntest way possible. Uh, and the most precise way would be, like, a time machine, obviously. But, mm -hmm. I mean, if you didn't, like, there are top players that have advanced machine learning algorithms with contest simulations and they run things millions of times, like all different types of nodes and whatever, right? They're doing, they're doing if this guy played this and then it's game-based simulations, they're, they're simulating every single possession of a game, you know, like they, you can go as far as you want with this. Uh, like what we're trying to do is we're, we're like in the middle. We're trying to get as close to the precise stuff without having to be like, like data scientists without needing right? a degree right right without needing a degree but we're also don't want to get too blunt where we don't have as much of an edge over the the you know the casual people that play dfs so like mont to me monte carlo kind of lives in that that something that to a lot of people that are watching the show going 
I don't, I don't even know what Monte Carlo Sims are. Mm-hmm. And even if I did, I'm not, I, I couldn't do Monte Carlo Sims. Like, dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anywhere close to James. James, I'm not anywhere close to you. I can run Monte Carlo Sims in, in, in Excel. Like mm-hmm. that's that, that, that makes me like, that's the, like the top of my Excel knowledge. Right. Yeah, like yeah. That, I was going to say that must've taken you, that must take you some time to write out. I, I know what you're Well, No, you cut and paste, you go Google it and you, you figure it out. Uh, <laughs> you have to be good at Googling though, to find those. I things. am very good at, I'm, Hey, I'm a very good Googler. Yeah. Right. That's, well, that's, you also have to realize James that I used to be a web developer. So I mean, like, as right. far as like, oh, I need to find this thing about JavaScript, you know, this thing, I need to get this. Th- and then you find the, the thing and then you hack through it. And what like, so I'm, I'm used to doing stuff like that. But right. like Monte Carlo isn't like the most precise methodology of running, a, running, you know, a, a player's distributions or anything like that. But, but explain exactly what that means, because some people think it's like, okay, here's the mean projection of like, you know, I'm looking at the, today's the projection for Giannis is 54.56. And his floor, which we use as the 15th percentile and ceiling as the 85th percentile, uh, we have the floor, I, I believe, I believe. I, maybe in NBA we've changed, we've changed it, but usually it's that. It's, uh, you know, basically one standard deviation, right? Because 84th and 16th, whatever, if it'd be technical. Uh, the floor is 40.44 and the ceiling is 70.25. And what'll what'll happen is like, well, well, Giannis hasn't scored more than 70 points in the last X games. Or like, or or no, he hasn't scored under 40 points in God knows how long. And they go, these numbers, these floor and ceiling numbers, or whatever, like, or someone with not that much data, right? Not that much data is coming in and like someone's injured, two people are injured, they've only played three games this season, mostly off the bench, and now they're gonna play 38 minutes or something like that. And we have a ceiling at like 42 and it's like well, he was never scored 42 points like how how are you getting that is this where monte carlo comes in so one thing really quick on that uh i have some player ceiling tables over at the site that i load up based on uh on 85th percentile outcomes right on, on their standard deviation and but i run those uh separately from the projections so sometimes with like tyus jones last night his relative ceiling is like 36, but his median projection is like 38 or something, <laughs> which which looks hilarious, right? Because like you're you're projecting them basically at their ceiling, but it's important to understand that that ceiling is based on historical data, not based on the projections. So just just a funny like aside from that, um, Monte Carlo Sims, Monte Carlo Sims are essentially. Uh, applying a random variation of a data point to come up with a new data point that you would expect to be within a player's range of outcomes. Um, I'm pretty bad at like explaining low level technical stuff here. So I'll do my best. But um, so if you have a player who is averaging uh, five rebounds, and you wanted to develop a acceptable range of outcomes for this player based on a normal distribution, you could utilize a Monte Carlo simulation uh, to apply a random, I'm so bad at this. So you can you can take those five rebounds and take the 85th percentile and 15th percentile, which are one standard deviation away from that, from those five rebounds, uh, which is like one and nine rebounds. And then a Monte Carlo simulation is basically 
taking a random number between those outcomes and simulating it out a thousand times and figuring out what, how often they score a certain amount of rebounds in a game. Okay. Can I, can I try explaining it better? Yeah. Yeah. Please. I'm so bad at explaining it. Like okay, it, you are right, but I'm just saying like, it's like, okay. Because uh, the way that I would explain it is probably technically wrong, but it gets the concept right. Sure, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So let's just say, let's just say uh, th- this player, this random player, let's just, we'll call him whoever. He could be Giannis yeah. or whatever. He averages 25 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Let's just say mm-hmm. any, whatever, just to make the numbers easy. 10, 25, 10, and 10. That's his average. Yeah. But now I'm going to take his entire sample size. That of data that he has uh, that we're using in general. Some games he scores 32, some games he scores 20, some games he scores a lot of points, but not that many assists, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you just take, and I'm taking each stat now, right? Right. And I'm going, okay, how, what, what is the distribution? How many times, right? Let's say in the past 100 games or whatever, like his rebound stat is like 12, 6, 5, 8, 15. Mm-hmm. 13 and I keep on going like that. Now, now the average is 10, but like, like obviously like here are these actual outcomes, the past hundred games or whatever sample size you have. And I'm like, well, his, his, av- his average is 10. So it's like, I'm going to set, it's like, I want the median of that range, that, that data set to be, t- I want to make sure that there are out of a hundred outcomes, there are 50 under a 10 or below and 50 at 10 or higher. So like that, I'm that my median is still the median. Right. And then I'm just telling, telling a random number generator, right. That obviously if you normal distributions mean that the ones that are closest to the middle happen more often. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not creating a set of a hundred. I'm actually creating a set of like 5,000 or something. Right. But I'm repopulating like, if his median is supposed to be 10, like these are actual outcomes from the game, then I'm going to have more nines. Like if he's more nines, he may have a 23 rebound game, but I don't want to weigh that like, oh, if I just randomly picked one out of 100, I would start getting this 24 rebound game like 1% of the time. Right. When it doesn't happen, it happens way less than 1% of the time. So I need to have more outcomes towards the middle. So I kind of just, you make a thousand of them and you just repopulate that in the middle. And then once you have that, then you, t- then you basically tell a, tell a random n- number generator, pick one out of the thousand once. And you do that for all the stats, or you can even do it for the fantasy points column. Just that it, you don't have to do it per stat even. And you just go, once you have a, a, a repeatable, like a, a somewhat re- uh, reasonable representation of a range of outcomes, t- a thousand, ten thousand outcome, whatever. And now all you're doing is just basically telling Excel or a computer or Python or whatever to say, uh, pick one, pick one at random, literally pick one at random, pick one of the stats at random, pick one, whatever, pick all of, the, and then do it for all of the, pl- do it for all the players. Now that there's no correlation between, because then you could also add correlation to that. But we're not even, we're just trying to get to what it is. So now it's just picking. So. If I'm doing it, let's say, on, on a fantasy point basis, right? So not even stat-wise, which would probably be a little bit a little bit better. Uh, so, like, I have his median at, you know, 54, right? I have all these outcomes. I have one outcome where he scored 98. 
I have an outcome where he got injured and, and scored 12. Like that doesn't happen that often, but like, there's going to be a lot more like, and, and his actual outcomes, 50, 51, 58, 59. But they're also, as you start getting past that, that range of out that, that distribution, you're going to start getting the 65s and the 68s. And, the, and then I just want to simulate, like, I'm just going to simulate this uh, 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. Right. And just go bang. And then you, you could do that. Whoever runs projections, you're doing that. And then now you're getting a set from there now of outcomes, right? This is previous. You're using historical data for the first one. And then you're just going, well, based on this distribution, this, all these sets of actual outcomes, like just randomly pick. It's going through all of that where in 10,000 outcomes, like the median or the mean should be about the same. Maybe it actually changes slightly, right? Because fifth, because, Half of your outcome should be above the mean or me- the median, technically, median. right? Median and 50, 50% below. So you're not changing that median projection, but you're now saying, okay, out of now this new set of 10,000 simulated outcomes, what's the 15th percentile? What's the 85th percentile? Well, that's the floor in the, that's, there's the floor in the ceiling, right? Yeah. Like that's how the number, that's a, kind of a blunt blunter like that's a more precise way but still on the blunt side of the more precise ways of coming up with like what are the ranges of outcomes and you'll see depending on uh how how what his standard the player's standard deviation because you have the historical outcomes and you could see that some players sometimes have much wider a wider range of outcomes and some have a narrower range of outcomes. So typically the ones that have wider ranges of outcomes have lower floors and higher ceilings, which means when you're doing that Monte Carlo sim 10,000 times, you're more likely to start coming up and, you know, ending up, you know, if you had the same player with a different set of a narrower set of actual historical outcomes that the if both players had the same median, you may see one with, a three-point higher ceiling, mm-hmm. and a, or a three-point higher floor, or a four-point lower floor, and a you may see a four-point lower floor and a four-point lower ceiling, even though the medians are the same, right? Like you, you'll see these little shifts here and there, and that that could be run through like through Monte if you want Monte Carlos. And like I said, do you need to do you need to do all of this yourself? No. Like we do, we do, we do this all for you. James has his own on pay dirt. You could subscribe to Roto Grinders. Like we do this for you. Like, but the thing is, is like knowing how the numbers show up in the columns will now help you be able to conceptualize how to build DFS lineups mm-hmm. and utilize like, like, well, this guy's going to be high owned and he's much higher variance, right? He has a much wider range of outcomes. His ceiling is higher, but his floor is way low, right? In NBA, we're not even sure if he, the minutes are even that, the minutes are fragile. Do I want to play this guy at like 32% owned? Like, do you think that's a little over-owned for, for that? Or is it like, or it could be the other way of like, people aren't sure that this guy's going to play 24 minutes instead of 32 or something. Maybe, maybe take the shot. Like, mm-hmm. 
but where do the numbers come from? So you're not thinking in terms of, well, should I, because I, I get the question, James, of like, if I'm, if for GPPs, should I just build based on ceiling projections? It's like, that's still thinking too, too black and white, like of just like, well, I just care about this 85th percentile outcome. It's like, well, most likely to win a GPP, you don't need like all, all 80 players to hit an 85th percentile outcome. It also ignores the way that ceilings are derived. Right. Right. Exactly. It also, right. It, it, it mathematically doesn't make sense. Now, could you do that? Yeah. It, it, if you use just a ceiling projection, I always say that for the most part, it's probably, you're probably not going to get much different lineups than just building with the media right. projection. Right. So like, I don't think it matters that much here and there. Right. Well, could you sure in certain cases? Sure. But for the most part, these numbers aren't derived in a way where that would be more accurate. You're going to end up with about the same R squared anyway, if you just go by 85th or 15th percentile outcomes to that outcome. Like, so I don't know why you wouldn't just use the meaning with the same R squared anyway. Right. And Josh Gilham says, imagine thinking you have to know all this info to be a good DFS player at Lamau. You don't. You really don't. I mean, it's, it is good stuff to know. I personally, for me as a modeler, um, I like to let people know this kind of stuff for two reasons. One, to be transparent, uh, because I think that it's important for people to know the projections they're looking at and understand how they're being derived. And two, because, uh, I think it's cool because I think it's interesting. And I, th I think that other people who, there are a lot of people who play DFS and are mathematically inclined and like to know this kind of stuff, like to know how these kind of things are derived. Um, the, the thing that I will say about, uh, imagine thinking you have to know all this info to be a good DFS player. You don't have to know all this info, but all of the good DFS players that I know want to know this info. They don't want, want to No, no, no. Hold on, James. They no, don't no, no, want no, no, no. What, what, let, let me finish. They already, they already, they already know. They, they know this info, but they wanted to know it because they're hyper competitive and they want to know everything about DFS. And this is stuff that is important to know if you want to know everything about DFS. Obviously, you don't have to know the absolute, like, the, the most precise stuff that we're talking about here. You don't have to know it to be a good DFS player. But if you want to be a great DFS player, if you want to be a winning DFS player, you need to understand how projections are built. And you need to, need to understand how to utilize projections correctly, which comes in knowing a range of outcomes, which comes in knowing how ceilings are derived. If you want to be a great DFS player, you should know this stuff. Well, if you're a great DFS player, you're already you're you're doing this yourself. Yeah, most likely. But right? but you have to understand it to do it. No, 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 no. True. Well, no. I mean, in order in order to build your own model, you're gonna have to. Yeah, obviously. Sure. Right. But the thing is, is that in the in the in the industry now, like, if you go to like the top fifty DFS players, mm -hmm. like, I would say ninety five percent have their own. That are build are building their own. They're, they're building their what you see in lineup HQ. They have their own. They personally built themselves. And I would right? say a lot of them are aggregating as well. And while well, that's a difference. Well, also that R squared or the you know the accuracy between the Roto Grinders projections and what you could come up with yourself. Even the top of the top DFS players, mm -hmm. it's not. It's. They've a lot of a lot a lot of top players that used to build their own like MLB projections. Yep. You know, five years ago. Now use the bat. 
now use the bat or now use like an aggregate industry projection because like theirs, it may, could be better. And back five years ago, it may have been right. more accurate, but the accuracy of, of Labatt or the RG MLB projections is either better or close enough that why spend all that time managing all that data and doing all that, that work anymore. So that from an efficiency standpoint, some of these top players are just like, Nope, I'm just going to use the information that's, 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 I could, I could sub to all the sites and get the aggregate and I could, but they're still, you, they still understand what the numbers mean because right. then they're, then their process involves, they, they have other programming that they do to come up with the lineups, but with, they're not just taking this middle number and saying, well, what's the highest lineup of that? And what's the highest lineup of this? Like they're, they, they're taking the floor and ceiling projections and they understand what that distribution is. And so now they could build all these simulated outputs and, and run contest sims. And this guy's going to be optimal X percent of the time and X, Y, and Z. They could also build the correlation coefficients into it, right? Cause when you build lineups and lineup HQ, there's no correlation coefficients between the players. Mm -hmm. So like they're doing like, so you have to know like just high school level statistics so when you're building lineups that you know what these that you know what these numbers mean like like you need to know like I'm I'm true I'm 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 going to say sorry. I know I know I I I apologize for like oh I'm not going to yell about stupid questions. Said so you need to know this. It you is. need to know how to run Monte Carlo Sims no. You don't you don't need to know that. Maybe it's helpful, but understanding how these numbers come out yep. means that you're able to interpret them better. So when you could when you build lineups, you know you know what they mean. Here's rather true. than ninety percent of people that I talk to, that literally, well, I mean, dude, Demonis Abonis had a fifty-two point projection, right? And he gets two early fouls and ends up with thirty-four points. And they go, well, these projections are bad, mm -hmm. right? Or something, or or an outlier result, not knowing that this is just a fiftieth percentile, or the opposite, right? Like someone projects, like we go to the RGV like type of thing. It's like Jokic as a whatever, like a Desmond Bain. Like we have 37.7. Obviously, tonight it's NBA. The, all this stuff changes. It, yeah, it'll be, when we get off the show, it'll everything will change. Uh 37.7, you know, and he ends up scoring like 40. He ends up scoring 45 because from a point per dollar value at 6,600, his median is high for that. Salary for his salary adjusted value is high, so we have him at thirty seven point seven. He goes out and he scores fifty points, right? Goes out and scores fifty, and then people come back and say, "Way to go, way to go with that projection." That thanks for the you know he was much lower owned than than because you know you guys had him as a good play and a good point per dollar projection, whatever. It's like like and Sabonis, right? Instead of scoring fifty two, scored like thirty eight, right? And he go, well, that projection was bad. It's like, well, Bain's projection was just as bad as Sabonis' right, projection. Right, right. It, it, it was, he was 14 points off also, right? Like, like they're the same thing. It's like, these are these are median numbers. So, like, the for one standard deviation is just the difference between the floor and the ceiling. So, like, consider the fact that, like, what's that bulk in the middle of a standard di distribution? James, what what's what are the what are the three numbers that we that we use? Uh, floor, ceiling, and median. Yeah, but I'm saying what what how, how, what percentage of the time 
Like, what's the rule? Like, what, what, how much does one st- plus one to minus I'm, one stand as standard deviation entail? I, I'm, I'm blanking here. I'm blanking here. So it's Sorry, 16, I... 16%, 68, oh, right? right. Right, 68, yeah. 95, right? Okay, you, you get, you know what I'm talking about. So 68% of the total outcomes are going to be between one standard deviation of the median, right? right? Yeah. On, on a, if we, especially with doing Monte Carlos, right? That's what it's going to end up being, which means 68% of the time, Desmond Bain will score based on our current projects or whatever, 25 to 51. So if he scores anywhere so between 25 and 51, like that's, that's the acceptable, that's kind of the one standard deviation range. So like, look how wide that is, right? So if he scores 36, it's like, well, that if he scores 32, if he scores 46, that's like functionally from a probabilistic standpoint, those are all within some acceptable standard deviation, like underneath 25 or over 51. Now you're hitting past. That's the, now you're getting to the more outlier results that happen less and less and less. 58 happened like the difference between 38 as a at median and like 42 is almost non distinguishable as it is like 32 or something like that. But once because there's a lot of outcomes, there's a lot of 38, 39, 30, 34, 35, you know, like like right around 40, 41, 32, 30. Like there's a lot of those, but once you start getting out to like 25, 51s, there are less of them. Then once you get down to 53s, right? 53, like it starts cutting. If you look at what a normal distribution, it starts cutting off even more and more and more. So there, the difference between 51 and 54 is much less than the difference between 37, the median and 40. Mm-hmm. Between 37 and 40, there are a lot of outcomes, but between 51 and 54, even though it's only three points, there's way less outcomes. Then you get to 57. There's even way less outcomes to that. And then 60, there's like these amount of outcomes. And then 62, like barely, like it drops off exponentially almost at the end. So like if the guy scores between his floor and, 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 and ceiling, like that, that is, that is the acceptable, like that's like kind of an acceptable range. Even if you want to cut that in half. Right. right. You say, say, okay, let's like, what is the range between 25 and like to use Desmond Bain? Cause I'm just looking at the right now, 25 and 50, right? 51 is like 26 points. Right. So his, his, uh, his median projection is, is, is 38. So if you want to cut the median, the, the range of 26 and a half to like 13 and then put it on both sides of the median of 38, Right. So what let's let 13 is what six, six and a half mm-hmm. or something like that. So you could say his acceptable range is like uh what it would be 32.5 to to 44 and a half. Let's call it 32 to 45. Right, 32 45. Like if he scores somewhere between 32 and 45, if that happens for like every like most of the players on your projection model, you probably have a pretty probably probably pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good projection. That's a that's a that's pretty good R squared there, right? Yep. In in general. So like once you understand the concept, it's like that's where it comes down to, like for GPPs. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, if the difference between two players in NBA DFS is like two median points, like flip coin. Right. That now you right? Like with, with look at what we're talking about here. So 
understanding where the numbers come from reiterates the concepts that will either help you very much leverage in GPPs and also understand that even in cash games for 2v2s, like a lot of times that, you know, unless you have like, oh, I think this guy's going to play two less minutes or something. So I'm going to take like, unless you're going to change like the core statistics because you know the sport better, which is perfectly fine. Use, uh, dude, in NBA, use, use use our projections. And just, if you want to go team by team, and go to the Pelicans and go, okay, well, I'm going to take one point off of McCollum. I'm going to take, instead of 37, he's going to be 36 minutes, and I'm going to give Jose Alvarado an extra minute, right? Like, if you like, because obviously that it, it would come out for one another. If you want to give Jackson Hayes 18 minutes today and Trey Murphy two less minutes, like, go and do it. Like, you will, our, our FPPM, like, the fantasy points will even change mm-hmm. as a median in our in lineup HQ. So, like, if you don't even trust like our team, which I think are the best for NBA projections for minutes, like if you want to do that, like I know the sport better yourself and, and feel free, change change the minutes and change, you know, say, oh no, but I, I'm going to dock this guy because of a defensive match. But that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But not understanding what these, these these numbers mean and how they're derived, like then when you change, you don't you don't even understand what you, what you're even looking at or. Or what should you be expecting when you play players, even if you're building your own model, mm-hmm. right? Like the 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 that what an accurate model is. Most people like almost think that you could build your. Most people think, uh, yeah, I, I'm expecting a, a a projection model to be a point nine eight arc square, <laughs> right? And you're chuckling because like. Only a time lord would be like like the, that. The best model that that I have ever built is the most recent one that I have. It, it's the one for this NBA season, and it sits somewhere between a point seven eight and point eight two R two, which is which is good. Yeah, it's currently at point eight one, and I'm like, man, that is it is hot right now in, in right. the most recent sample. It's great. Yeah, I mean, right. It's- point nine eight would be like you, you'd you'd be if you had a a model that was point nine eight accurate, you would like. You would probably win. I would say every third day, every third yeah, GPP. Oh yeah, like, yeah. You, you'd, I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd win like every other day. You'd win the large field GPP like literally every other day. I, I think that if you, if you had a point nine eight, because remember, and, and this is for another discussion, but, but, but an, an R two is looking for directionally accurate, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that if you had a, a point. If you had an R2 of 9.8, I think you'd win the main GPP at least. If you were maxing it, yeah. like probably two out of three days. Right, like, right. You, you I, I, be, right. Like, if you were playing 150 lineups, I would almost think that maybe you win every day. Yeah, it'd be really, really close. I'm trying to think of like the actual outcomes here. And like, and the reason why I say two out of three days is because that 33% range where like maybe you didn't have it right, like maybe you got all four outcomes that day. Right. Maybe you don't win that day, but you're gonna win a lot. Point eight one is 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 considerably good, and and I think that most people have a, a a serious misunderstanding of how to judge the accuracy of a model, especially in sports that are not normally distributed, which we'll talk about at a later date. But for something like baseball, judging the accuracy of a model is hilariously difficult. Right. It's it's it's, it's almost it's almost. So I would say it's almost 
Is it even worth even? I it's mean, like, I don't, I don't even know. know. The only right. when, when I judge my baseball model, it's pretty much just based on pitcher projections, right? And, and not hitter projections. Imagine thinking you have to know all this to be a good DFS player. Talking to two good DFS players. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what are we titling this? Because we, we, we want to make sure people can find this. Just uh, pre, pre, projections 101, projections. Yeah, let's let's say let's say uh let's say uh let's say where projections. do projections come from? Like where do babies come from? <laughs> let's just say projections 101. Let's just say projections 101. Okay, projections 101. We'll probably end up with other uh, three months from now we'll be talking about this again and still have a hey, projections 101 part two. Where is that? Yeah, you know, yeah. Again. Projections 106 or whatever. Right. Okay. So projections 101. That's that's the imagine proje- imagine the projections 101. Uh <laughs> So people can find your projections if you if you want. I mean, dude, like different models do slightly different things. So like I'm not I'm, I'm I I get projections not only from Roto Grinders. I also even if I think that they're horrible projections, if I know there are a bulk of people using them, it helps me decide the, who they're going to play more often than not. Right. So that helps me also. So uh, in addition to to Roto Grinders, uh, which you could. Uh, Get a premium subscription here, you know, get access to my Blender's Game Theory channel uh, and ask me anything you want at any time. Email your questions into the show, questions at theoryofdfs.com, just so I have the material to, you know, know what to talk about. And I I, I will make even go through the actual, like, questions you, you do ask uh, and put them on the show. Uh, people could also get, get your stuff at uh, paydirtdfs.com, right? You can, yeah, and uh, and even if you don't want my stuff, I've started building out uh, some pretty cool tools. There's now a showdown simulation model that you can do, where you can simulate uh, for NFL or NBA any showdown slate you want to play. All you have to do is just upload the CSV and upload either your projections, or you can use Pater baselines for base for basketball and NFL right now, and you can simulate any range of outcomes for any showdown slate you want to play. So pretty excited about that. It's free to use right now. Um, there's going to be a lot of other stuff building a portfolio simulation tool next. So even if you don't care about my projections and think I suck, uh, go use the tools that I'm building. Cause I'm pretty excited about them. I'm, I'm interested to, to see this portfolio simulation. tool. Yeah. You'll like it a lot. Uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really good. I think. Okay. No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost jealous now. It's like, I don't know if you should put that out for free, depending on what it, it won't be. It, it'll be part of a subscription, okay. but for now it's free for now. It's free. Right. Okay, well, we'll say I'm, 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 you've piqued my interest, ah, right? Nice. You've piqued my interest. I, I may talk to you, might talk to you off, off the, off the air about that. <laughs> okay, so you could follow James Paydirt underscore DFS. You could follow me on Twitter at Blender HD. Join me here at uh, at, at Roto Grinders with the Roto Grinders premium subscription. If you if you want more, like, dude, how the sausage is made, how to play DFS well is all based on you know all based on game theory. So go to theoryofdfs.com, pick up either the Fundamentals Masterclass or the Advanced Players course, which comes with James's custom Excel tools. And uh, and I'll be ta- I'll be talking about projections all week. We'll be we'll be handling how to, how to use projections, how to deal with projections, right? Not how to make projections. That's why James. That's why hence the nice intro for the week. James is here since he does does make he does make he does he bakes the donuts, and yeah. I'm going to teach you how to how to pretty much how to eat them or or do something I'll choose the ones to eat choose, choose the ones to eat right i don't I, I i don't choose the ones with the with the gel i don't like jelly donuts 
Really? I, I, I like raspberry jelly filled. I think that's good. My, fa- my favorite donuts, either original glazed or Boston cream. Fair. Good good choices. My my favorite is actually a, um, a chocolate cruller, personally. Well, what's a, a, a cruller? A cruller. Yeah, cruller. Thank you. Yeah. Should it be called cruller? Is I, I always believe it's cruller. I have right? no you you being being uh, from New York know more about donuts and bagels than I do. So I'll, I'll, I think I'll it's cruller. Lean on you. It isn't isn't it a German word? I, dude, I don't know. I just eat them. Okay. So, yeah. Who cares? I see. I don't. I don't know how the donuts are made. That's why this discussion is important. Right. Right. Who cares? I, I who cares what? Ha- who cares what the origination of the donut or anything like that? It's all in there. It's all. All the tasty goodness is in there. So you don't need to know. You don't. No, yeah. Everyone hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Remember, this is a free show, right? I can't believe it's for some people. Are like, I can't believe this is a free show. Hit that thumbs up button. Hit the like button. It helps us out. Like, subscribe. We got NBA Grinders live later today. We got the Crunch Time uh, presented by uh, for free. I mean, all all year. So tune uh, tune into that. We got playoff NFL stuff. PGA is back. MMA coming this week. I'll be covering that on Friday, and uh, we got premium content for that. So uh, so until tomorrow, uh, I'll I'll see I'll see you because I'm here Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern, answering your DFS strategy questions as I always try to do. Here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.